Welcome to Light to Camera Author. I'm Jim Juno, and this is where we talk with authors who write books about television, movies, entertainment, and everything in between. And I have with me tonight a very special guest. If you watched TV during the, I would say, late 60s, you would know this man. You surely would know probably the most famous TV show to come out of that time, Rowan and Martin's Laughter. And I am talking tonight with George Schlatter. Welcome, Mr. Schlatter. Nice to be here, Jim. So you have a new book coming out in June, which is called Still Laughing. Yes. And it is it is uh, life in comedy. This is more or less your life story, isn't it? Well, it's it's some of it, anyhow. <laughs> some of it we just can't tell you, but uh, what's in there is okay. It's been cleared with my wife, so I can tell almost all of it. <laughs> I tell you, you uh, your career has spanned, I want to say, what, six decades now? At least, yeah. Probably longer than that, if I tell the truth. Well, you have, and, you know, you've had some great successes. I, of course, I want to say the most famous one is probably Rowan and Martin's Laughing. Yeah. And, but there was, the, there was much more to your story than just that one show. Yeah. Yes, there is. <laughs> yes, there is. <laughs> A ton of specials and series and whatever. See, because I'm very old, so uh, it, it, there's an excuse for having piled up all of those credits and shows and things. But it's been, a, I've had a good time. It sounds like you've had a, a great time. But you, you were originally, um, you were general manager of a nightclub, one of the most famous nightclubs on the Sunset Strip, the yes. Zeros. Yes, Zeros, that's right, that's right. And I was mad huh? Well, there was a rumor that I, I, I worked at Ciro's, but there was a rumor that I had worked there as a bouncer. And my wife did not like that. So I released a story saying that I had worked there as an executive in charge of emergency departures. And, <laughs> and, and she said, it doesn't say, it still sounds like a bouncer. So anyhow, I'm no longer referred to as a bouncer. I'm a, an executive in charge of emergency departures. <laughs> well, I had a good time. You became general manager, though, didn't you? Yes, yes, I did. Yes, I did. Cirrus <laughs> was the top nightclub, maybe, in the, uh, certainly on the West Coast. And we played all the big stars and all the big acts, and it was a different uh, environment then. And so I worked there, and I also worked at the Frontier Hotel in Las Vegas. And uh, so it's been a long, long journey. Is that where you, is that where you first saw Dan Rohn and Dick Martin? Uh, yeah, actually, Ernie Kovacs... Uh, Anyhow, I did a, a Ernie Kovacs' wife, Edie Adams, uh, wanted to go on tour after Ernie died, and so I did an act with Edie, and I became very friendly with her, and and uh, she uh, she needed an act, so I booked Rowan and Martin with Edie Adams. So then, when we wanted to do Laugh In, uh, the network said they needed a host because the original concept for Laugh In was just bits and pieces and flash cuts and so forth. So uh, NBC <laughs> said we had to have a host. So I called Rowan and Martin, and they were older. And they wore tuxedos, and uh, they came out, and they were the connectives in the show. So it uh, that that helped NBC uh, buy it. You know, everything's a compromise, right? But they worked, and they were great. They were, did a hell of a nightclub act. Well, I'm going to give away my age too because I watched Laughing when it was first on. Okay, then you're old. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. I'm old, and, and uh, but I I loved. I loved that show. I believe it was Tuesday nights at 8, Monday night at 8. Maybe? Monday night at 8, and NBC bought it by accident. 
Uh, they had nothing to put on opposite Lucy and Gunsmoke, which were the top two shows. And so we came in with this show that was all just flash cuts and and uh, cost nothing. And so they put it on the air kind of just in desperation to put something on opposite Lucy. And uh, they, they looked at the first show and said, uh, this isn't any kind of television. And I said, right. And they said, well, I said, but uh, the, we ran it for a group of kids. And I said, the children understand it. Why can't you? They're smarter than you are. And so we went on the air with a show that uh, the network did not believe in. They thought it was just too crazy. And uh, by the third week, the audience caught on, and we found out the audience was smarter than the network. So then we stayed on for a long time. It was a, it was a fun experience. Uh, oh, with, it's still fun to watch. Yes, with all young, we used all young character people who were not sought after by the normal variety shows, you know. And uh, so we put them out there doing just anything that was funny. And uh, we would tape till 2, 3 o'clock in the morning just doing funny, funny things and uh, outtakes and sight gags and mistakes and everything. And it became a new kind of television. And uh, I was proud of it. It was the first time I can remember seeing miniskirts. Yes, 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 we did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on, on TV. I mean, yeah, that's what I'm... And bikinis. We used a lot of bikinis. Goldie Hawn appeared in a bikini. And uh, yeah. so we did but body they, paint and body paint. Oh, yeah. We did body credits on Goldie. So it was a problem. They wanted to know what the words were. That made the network very nervous. So then we told them what the words were. And the next week they said, yeah, but where are you putting those words? Ah, that, would, that made them even more nervous. <laughs> and uh, there was this innocent child right there with all of these words printed on her. And so uh, uh, the network got used to it. But by then. By then, we had like a huge, huge rating. It was just a mistake, but we had these huge numbers that nobody had seen before. And uh, so I'm I'm arrogant now, but you should have seen me with a 50 share, you know? So we did whatever we wanted to do, and the network would just stand by and scratch their head. <laughs> <laughs> and they had, but my, and my favorite person on there was Judy Karn. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know why, but just something, like, something about her appealed to me. Well, Judy, Judy was an outrageous young woman, and she'd been married to Burt Reynolds. And uh, I used to, she used to say she'd, she'd have stayed married to him if she could have taken a punch. But anyhow, Judy came on, and uh, she did all kinds of sight gags. And uh, she was, all, all of those people were young character people that were not the normal kind of guest star and not the actor and actresses. They were young character people, Goldie and Lily and Artie Johnson and Judy Carn and Joanne Worley, Ruth Buzzy. They were all unknown little young character people. And uh, we put them all into this show and uh, uh, just did all of these bits and pieces. We would have a hundred bits and pieces in one hour show. And the audience glued onto it because we captured the minimal shrinking attention span of the American television viewer who had become quite bored with television. And uh, you had to watch laughing. And the network uh, complained. They said, well, it's too fast and the audience can't understand it. And I said, well, the audience is, understands it and they're brighter than you are. And so uh, by that point, though, we had like a 50 share. And I mean, you can see me I, I mean, with a 50 share. I was past arrogant. <laughs> so we did whatever we wanted to do and then apologized for it later but we put everybody on there including Richard Nixon I mean we put there right. yeah. that he was running for president and uh, 
I needed something to open that next show. And he was absolutely the dullest man in the world. And I said, uh, let's get Nick. Paul Keyes was his best friend. I said, well, I can get Nixon for you. And I said, well, get him for me, too. So, yeah, we went over to his studio where he was taping a promotion. And we said, would you just say socket to me? Yes, yes, yes. And while his people were all over in the corner arguing about why we shouldn't do it, we taped him saying, socket to me. I said, no, no, Mr. Nixon, can you just smile? Yes, yes, this comedy is new for me. Socket to me. No, Mr. Nixon, smile and say, socket to me. Yes, 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 I'll get it. Take two. And he held up four fingers. And I knew then that if he became president, we were going to be in trouble. Anyhow, we got it. We went back to the studio, put it in the next show, and the world kind of exploded because... He was supposed to be the most boring man in the world. He probably was. And uh, that that helped. Uh, it was just so outrageous to put a presidential candidate on a comedy show. Uh, now, no, it's almost mandatory, you know. Oh, I mean, everybody goes on late night TV now, yeah. That's right. Wasn't Lorne Michaels uh, a writer on that? Yeah, Lorne Michael, Michaels uh, came down from Canada with Hart Pomerantz. And he came down from Canada, landed in New York. and. Uh, uh, went to Dan and Dick's dressing room and they loved him. And so he stayed there. And 43 years later, he's still doing, uh, uh, you know, Saturday Night Live. He was good. He was, but he was, Rowan Martin loved Lorne Michaels. Wow. Now, not only did you have, did you create one of the most famous TV shows of the 60s? And I remember watching this show. To one of the most infamous shows. Good. In the history of TV. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I'm proud. Good. I remember watching it. It was called Turn On. Oh, now you didn't watch Turn On unless you were on the on the East Coast. I was on the East Coast. That's it. In Louisville, Kentucky, and um, that's where I'm. That's where I'm originally from. And we, I watched Turn On, and I, I want to say at the very beginning of it, there was a song and dance act. They saying comedy tonight. Yeah, I was right. I'm right about this. Well, we had a little old lady comes on and she says, "Hi, boys." She was on a motorcycle. She said, "Hi, boys and girls. It's time to turn on." Gunned the motorcycle. It went right back through a set, and from there on, nothing made sense. Uh, turn on <laughs> had a mild drug uh, reference, but we didn't. It wasn't a drug show. It was just a, a way of excitement. But you're absolutely right. I and loved that, it. But you know what happened? I mean, I, we aired the show. We aired the show, and there was a guy in Cleveland who wanted to keep Peyton Place on the air, and complained that it had been replaced with this outrageous, irreverent barrage of comedy. And so he called all of the stations as the show went across the country. He called all the stations, and it was being canceled as it was being aired. To where <laughs> by the time it got to California, all the stations had canceled it, and uh, <laughs> and it goes down. And, and the only way I got paid any money at all was to promise the network I would never air it. And so it still remains unseen. And uh, all those executives are now dead, so I may one day air a turn on. But it was my favorite show. It was just so revolutionary and it had no music. It was all sound effects and uh, it was it was it was great if you remember it. Wasn't well, a cartoon head that had like a uh, now I'm, I'm going trying to recall this because it was quite a while ago. Go ahead. Cartoon head and there's like Carol is brought to you by number two, three, four, five, and then it ends with B O. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I was. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. We did. We did. That was it, though. See, I mean, nothing. 
nothing on turn on made sense. And the network uh, was very, the network was thrilled with it. We went from a commitment for 14 shows to 18 shows and they were thrilled with it until that guy in Cleveland started canceling shows. And uh, they wound up, <laughs> it wound up the shortest series, series in the history of television. It still remains one of my finest work. I loved it. I really did. I well, mean, I guess, yeah. I, was, I, guess I mean, I thought it really was funny and I was, I was, Ted, it wasn't coming back the next week. But, um, well, there was no next week. The technology in Laugh In and, and in Turn On is fairly commonplace. No, it's still pretty revolutionary today. It was uh, bits and pieces and sight gags and, and sound effects and uh, 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 it was out of sync and it was in sync and people looked at it and you couldn't look away from it, you know? And uh, there was, well, I love that show. I love that show. I've done maybe a thousand hours of television, but Turn On remains one of my favorite anti-accomplishments. I loved it. <laughs> now, you also, now, you know, you, you dealt with Richard Nixon, but you also dealt with Ronald Reagan in Las Vegas, I believe. Oh, yeah. Well, that was different. You know, Ronald Reagan, uh, I got a call from Lou Wasserman, who was the head of uh, William Morris, and said, I want you to book uh, Ronald Reagan into Vegas. I said, he doesn't do anything. I was working at the Frontier Hotel, which was a hotel in Vegas. And I said, he doesn't do anything. He said, well, that's not my problem. Do something. So we got Ronald Reagan, and we took an act called the Continentals. We put Ronald Reagan into this act, and but it was not good. It was not good. And I, so I remember an act for five chimpanzees called the Marquean family. So I bought this act of five chimpanzees to be the opening act for Ronald Reagan. And it was funny. But the then Jake Kozlov said, the show's running too long. Tell the, tell, cut, you know, cut the uh, performer, Ronald Reagan. So I cut, and he said, I can't change this act. So I said, uh-oh. So I talk, now I'm talking to chimps about taking four minutes, five, ten minutes out of the act. Will you ever try to explain that to a chimp? It was not easy. So they said, we can't cut any time. So uh, uh, we, 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 Ronald Reagan wouldn't cut. So we took the chimps and we had them do the first five minutes of their act in the dressing room to a wall and then go out on stage. And there was pandemonium and everybody went crazy. And uh, finally, about the fifth night, the chimps have already started their act in the band room. And they come back and they said, hold the show. Mr. Reagan has some friends who are late. I said, you don't understand. These are chimpanzees. I cannot explain them. Hello, mate, cut five minutes. So anyhow, they now pile up in the band room. And now he says, okay, his friends are here. Go ahead. Well, by then, the chimps had done their act, right? So I opened the doors. These chimpanzees ran out on stage, and pandemonium went. They were in the lights. They were in the ceiling. They were at the tables. One of them drank a bottle of Jack Daniels. And, I mean, it was absolute pandemonium. And uh, now I get a call. A guy taps me on the shoulder. Working at that point in Vegas, you didn't want to get a tap on the shoulder, you know? He said, uh, Mr. Picasso wants to see you. I went back. He said, hold it. I said, I am so sorry. I'll fix it. He said, no, that's the funniest thing I ever saw. Tell them to just do that. I said, Mr. Cut, you don't understand. That was not an act. That was pandemonium. That was crazy. He said, you got a hearing problem, don't you? I said, no, no. So anyway, from then on, Mr. Reagan cut like 15 minutes of his act and the chimps did a big hit. But it was, a, it, was, it was an adventure. But Ronald Reagan never forgave me for putting him in an act with five gorillas. <laughs> well, it was always Congress he could go to. <laughs> little, little, did I, little did I know he would wind up working with a whole room full of gorillas. Anyhow, go ahead. I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, you also, in addition to starting, like you know, changing television with TV shows like Laughing, you also changed television 
one of the first reality TV shows with real people. Yes, yes, yes. You did a lot of research, didn't you? I, I, <laughs> I get a call from Herb Schlosser, who was a good friend of mine. He said they just had lunch uh, in Beverly Hills, uh, and uh, they uh, uh, shot a thing on the streets uh, where they were just talking to ordinary people. And could I do anything like that using the new ENG cameras? Anything like that funny? And I said, yeah, I can do that funny. And so I said, uh, I'll do it. And, I, and real people, that's what we'll call it. And But I said, I can't do one show, pilot. I, uh, I, have, I need a commitment for six. Now, you want to talk about an arrogant young man? I said, I need. So he said, you got it. So now we go out to shoot and we went out on the streets and we found people that were interesting and people that were unusual and bizarre. And we put this all together into the first kind of reality television show using the new condensed reality cameras, electronic news gathering, and these ordinary people that were just interesting on the street. And we put them on and uh, nobody understood what the hell real people was. But Sarah Purcell, uh, we never auditioned anybody. I just hired them. See, you can't be as arrogant today as I was then. You know, I'm I'm a pussycat now, but back then I was I was arrogant. And so we put the show on the air, and by the third week, people found this thing and found out that ordinary real people were interesting. And that stayed on the air for like seven years with Sarah Purcell. And it was great. Okay. See, I'm my ahead. whole career my whole career is a series of, of mistakes, you know? <laughs> and long shots that work. Well, that was one of them. Uh, what was it like working with Frank Sinatra? Ah, it was it was like life in, in the midst of an avalanche. It was an adventure. Uh, uh, I did uh, when Frank Sinatra passed on. His wife said, "Would I do one of the eulogies?" And I really did not want to do a eulogy, you know. And and it was in the cathedral out here, and and the uh, the priest at the cathedral uh, introduced me. And I didn't know what to say. And uh, uh, I'd never been that close to any priest before. So when I went up on stage, I said, thank you, Your Honor. Well, you don't want to call a priest Your Honor, you know. It's, it's indicated I'd spent more time in court than I'd spent in church. And so anyway, that was one of my adventures with Frank, who his least favorite words were take two. I had more fun with Sinatra because I could make him laugh. It was a dangerous way to live. But if you could make him laugh, you could uh, say anything. And I did. So we were very, very close. We were very good friends. And we had adventures. We won Emmys and everything with Frank because he was, he was, he was delightful if you could make him laugh. But don't, don't, don't miss. And uh, yes, I did. I had a good time with Frank. We did a show with him and with Sammy Davis. And a lot of those people that uh, we did specials with, you know. But uh, Oh, yeah. We were we were close with Frank and with Barbara Sinatra and with Bobby Bobby, you know Marks. We had I. It's been a long, bumpy, funny, dangerous, uh, exciting uh, career made up of mistakes, takes and mistakes, and uh, adventures with people like Frank and Sammy and you know all of them. And then down to the people I work with now, like Lionel Richie and uh, Tom Hanks. You know. Colorful people, and, and uh, um, they want to fly close to the flame. You just have to be sure you're right when you do it. <laughs> uh, do, you watch a, do you watch a lot of TV nowadays? I don't watch that much TV now because I think it's, I, I think it's kind of boring. Uh, uh, I am, strangely enough, uh, I haven't even told anybody about this. Maybe I shouldn't tell you, but what the hell. Uh, I'm now going to put together a show called uh, What's So Funny? 
and I'm going to collect funny bits and pieces from all over the world uh, because there's things happening funny. Some of them are mistakes. Some of them are accidents. But when you look at it slightly tilted one side or the other, it becomes funny. So I'm going to look around the world for anything that's funny. And uh, uh, if I get that on the air, I'll let you know because it could be another one of my question, <laughs> questionable <laughs> achievements. Then I, with the philosophy that if I, I said if I if I uh, if I couldn't drink it, fondle it, or make fun of it, I didn't know what to do with it. When it, it kind, of, kind of a a way of life. Words to live by. Come on. <laughs> but but you having a good time. See, okay. I, what bothers me about television now, I don't see it that funny. I think it's dark. I think some of the, the material is un, unnecessarily questionable, and. Uh, I don't see the people having, I like, uh, uh, you know, Jimmy Fallon. I like some of the people I like a lot, but uh, uh, I don't see anybody having that much fun. And it's kind of sad because uh, we need it. We need it to laugh. When a baby's born, you don't have to teach it how to sleep, eat, cry, or laugh. And uh, the rest of its life, we tell it when to sleep, not to cry, and to be careful of what it, what it laughs at, you know. But comedy is a major part of our existence. Ask Lily Tomlin. Lily Tomlin is a delight. And uh, uh, Goldie Hawn is another one. Goldie Hawn is a delightful, magical personality. Uh, uh, and that was another accident. She was a dancer. We brought her to come in and, and uh, she was a dancer. We put her on introducing Dan Rowan. And she screwed up the introduction terribly, right? And I said to the one of the directors, said, cut, cut. I said, never, ever say cut to this woman. So I said, do it again, do it again. Anyhow, the third time we inverted all of the words where they made no sense and said, okay, Goldie, look at the cards, let's go. And she read the wrong words and read them perfectly. I said, uh-oh, 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 now I'm in trouble. But accident, we, we, I, I don't see that much accident. We should celebrate our accidents, you know? And, uh, uh, <laughs> and this may be one of the celebrations we should not have had. Anyway, Jim, I'm, am I, I'm jabbering, aren't I? That's okay. I mean, that's, if, I just, I, if you're not jabbering, I'm going to be jabbering, and people would rather hear you than me. So. I just I just finished a book called Still Laughing, and it has told yeah. to John Max, who writes most of the comedy shows, John Max. So I sat down, and I just dictated all of these stories, you know, and and, uh, um, and he put them together into a book called Still Laughing, and it's coming out soon, and they're going to do a big celebration in uh, Jamestown, New York, where Lucille Ball uh, grew up. And uh, it's coming out, in, you know, this spring. And uh, uh, I remember talking it. I remember dictating this whole book. I just can't remember what I said. Because, uh, see, at this superannuated stage, I can't see, I can't hear, I can't walk, I can't remember, but I can't quit because I'm still important. No. You're having fun. So, oh, I'm having fun. I, oh, I have fun in an avalanche, you know, uh, uh, because we must have fun. We must laugh. And uh, uh, I just wish there was more. I see a lot of things that go into the title of comedy, but uh, uh, um, I I just, I I think we've got to open it up more and do sight gags and uh, do mistakes and do uh, rim shots and do sound effects, you know, so. There's many more things that we could laugh at if we just loosen it up a little bit, and some of the people okay. who can't, some of the people who can't get a job in television should be made uh, uh, more important and let them let, free it up, free it up so we have a sense of abandonment, so we have a sense of adventure, 
And uh, I think that would improve television a little. I just find some of it's a little bit boring, you know? Yeah, exactly. I, I don't watch that much television now either, except well, for reruns. Well, I try. I try to watch a lot of television. And some of it, I love the people. I just wish that uh, they didn't have networks or whoever it is sitting on them, telling them, do this and do that. Free up that comic mind, because they are uh, the reason for our survival, you know? Exactly. <laughs> well, the man's name is George Schlatter, and the book that's coming out in June is called Still Laughing, A Life in Comedy. Mr. Schlatter, you're honoring me with being here tonight. I appreciate it so much. Well, I don't know how much of an honor it is, but it was fun, and I, and I don't think I said anything that will get you canceled. So uh, that's an accomplishment. I had a good time, Jim. Thank you. Thank you. Call call if you ever get another job. <laughs> I tell you what, if you ever, if you once your book comes out, I'd love to have you back. Okay, well, if it comes out, if it, if, <laughs> if you you may be the only one to read it. But it was fun. Thank you. It was fun talking to you.